0: Today has been a very interesting day. You know, we've been talking about the Ponzi scheme, and uh, a lot of people are wondering how that could have happened. We have no idea. Uh, A lot of people are saying that you know, once again, the SEC was asleep at the wheel. They just did not pay attention to what was going on, and as a result of that, you know, we have we have another disaster, fifty billion dollar disaster. And it's all about something we all want, something we all need. To be honest with you, and here's the word. That's right, money. That's what it's all about. Money, 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 money. Greed is good, and give us that money. And it doesn't matter uh, if the, if I take you all down with me. But fifty billion dollars. And I'm really excited to find out how that came about, because that didn't happen with one or two people. That, as they said yesterday in the news, a village of people had to take down uh, this whole Ponzi scheme for $50 billion. So uh, money is uh, very, very difficult. And OPEC, of course, uh, today, we're going to be discussing that in just a few minutes, uh, Of course, went ahead and uh, did a, cut, a production cut, as we all know. We anticipated that, but they went over the top today and did a, uh, the deepest oil cut ever to rescue prices, rescue prices. They're, they're, you know how they are, being the good guys that they are in the Middle East, and you know, uh, making uh, the world safe for democracy. Oh, that's right. They don't believe in democracy. We're the infidel. Oh, they hate democracy. They hate us. So we go ahead and give them all this money so they can hate us even more and then buy flat screens. So that's kind of funky, I think. Anyway, so um, we're going to be discussing that uh, in just a bit. Uh, with Matt, and we've got some other fun stuff to talk about. Fun, and it's, You know, it's interesting, because they announced this huge cut, uh, 2.5 uh, million barrels of oil, uh, oil, oil, oil a day, and uh, the price of oil did not go up. The price of oil actually went down significantly. We're going to talk about that. It's the lowest it's been since 2004. So kind of things, you know, don't you get the feeling, Alex, that, you know, the Arabs are out of control a little bit here?
1: Seems like they're scrambling. They're desperate now. They want those prices to go back up badly.
0: Oh, yeah. They they desperately want those prices to go back up because they're so pigs, such pigs, that they, uh, you know, they want that hundred and forty dollars back. They want a hundred dollars a barrel back. They want over seventy five dollars a barrel back. Except, you know, the market just won't have it, and they don't care whether you know all of us here can't afford, you know, the fact that the price of food was going up every other day when oil was at a dollar forty, uh, hundred and forty seven dollars a barrel. They don't care. They want that money. You know, they really want that money. So I was thinking. You know, I was thinking, Alex. What could the what could the Arabs do? What could the Middle East folks do? Those wonderful folks from the Arab cartel uh, at OPEC. What could they do that would kind of soften the blow to the to the Western countries? What could they do to to make it much more exciting? So maybe they can do OPEC the musical. No, 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 not that. No, 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 no. not that. Not that. Not that. No, 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 no. I don't want that. I want. I want money, not this. Wrong, wrong, wrong. We'll get that in a second. We'll get that in a second. No, 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 no. We want to have um, um, uh, Cabaret. Let's play the cut from Cabaret, because I think the ministers from, from OPEC really should be getting into music, musical comedy. And I think by by doing the show, uh, Cabaret, they're going to do great. Here's the music just for OPEC, the musical.
1: I'm excited for OPEC, the musical. When's that open?
2: I
0: think we got the German one. Hey, it sounds
2: good to me, though.
3: No, it's English. There it is. Yeah. So don't you think this would be good if at OPEC they
0: do OPEC, the musical?
2: It would make them so happy.
3: The chin, cap, and begin to well, money makes I money think that
0: kind of down defines down. it really well uh, about what people, uh, you know, what the OPEC people want us to understand. Money makes the world go round, and they make lots and lots of money. But don't you think they would, uh, OPEC the musical would just, just be a big hit? I think it's coming to the uh, Carnival Center in uh, June. I think that would be a spectacular hit. Who's on the phone?
1: Uh, We got uh, Matt. Matt Bradburn.
0: Matt is on the phone. Let's talk to Matt. Hey, Matt, how are you? I'm
1: doing
2: well, Rich. How are you? So
0: what do you think? Do you think OPEC should be a musical?
2: I don't see why not.
0: Did you hear the the song Money, Money, Money?
2: I did. They're not making nearly the money they were a couple months ago.
0: No, they're not. But I just think if they want to show the softer side, sort of like Sears did 10 years ago, the softer side of the cartel, I think they should go ahead and, and do a musical. A musical comedy, a nice song and dance routine. And, because they're tap-dancing as fast as they can right now. You know, the scary thing is, from my perspective, Matt, and you, you're much smarter than I am in this stuff, you know, because I don't study it like you do. But, um, you know, uh, I think guys like Chavez are in big trouble. I think guys like uh, Ahmadinejad in Iran are in big trouble because they need those big bucks to maintain their programs, don't you think?
2: Yeah, well, that's why they're not sticking to the cuts that they said they were two months ago.
0: So let me. Oh, we're gonna come on a break. Hey, Matt, hang in there for a second. Matt from MB Wealth is right here right now. Matt uh, Bradbard, do not go anywhere because Matt's got some good insight as to why production goes down, and so does the price. We'll be right back. Eight eighty the biz, Rich Roffman show. Don't go anywhere.
1: sure audiences. Oh, righty there. This is The Rich Rock.
0: Welcome back. Twelve minutes after the hour, five o'clock. Uh, welcome to the show on eight eighty. The biz. Uh, the number is 866-954-4276. We have uh, Matt Bradbart on the phone from MB Wealth. Matt, so here's the deal: um, the the uh, the folks from OPEC meet. They 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 sequester themselves. They they hash it out. Uh, the boys from Russia show up. Uh, Russia does not support them. You know, did I get that right? Russia did not support the cut. They said they were going to work with them, but they they're not.
2: Yeah, essentially, OPEC's going to cut, or they say they're supposedly going to cut $2.2 million starting in January, and Russia's talking about potentially cutting 300000 a day. Right,
0: because Russia needs the money as well.
2: Yeah, Russia, Venezuela, and the Middle East needs the money. I mean, it's how they make money.
0: You see, this is how cartels fall apart. This is I, remember, I remember studying this stuff years and years and years ago in, in uh, God knows where, probably high school. And, and, and it's the greed in the cartel will ultimately do in the cartel, I thought. You know, maybe that was just the way, you know, Mr. Hansen was telling us when I was a kid. I don't know. But uh, oil futures are uh, off, what, 8% today?
2: Yeah, they were down hard. Remember we said yesterday they could probably do around $2 million. It's already factored in. And yep. I was a little bit wrong. They did two, $2, but it's already factored in. They had to be more dramatic to get any, you know, price stability, which they haven't done as of yet. In the last week and a half, the dollars come down 8% as well. And usually they have an inverse relationship. So if something doesn't smell right, they're both moving down.
0: So, all right, but, but you, don't, you don't really, you told me, I thought you told me the other day, you don't play big in oil right now.
2: I don't know where oil's going. I have a light, long position in natural gas. That's my only energy exposure.
0: Which is a good thing, because we have a lot of natural gas right here.
2: Well, no, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to pick a bottom here, which is sometimes dangerous. I'm buying natural gas. It's been sideways here in about a 30-cent trading range for the last eight sessions. If it makes a new low, I'm out. I'm taking a loss. I think natural gas in the next week or two is breaking to the upside.
0: All right. And and how did cocoa do today?
2: Cocoa is unstoppable of late. It was uh, up slightly. It was only up uh, about $30 today.
0: See, I should have met you about a month ago. <laughs> I could have done something about this way before Thanksgiving. It would have been a good time to play with this. Well, all right, Matt, this is terrific news. Uh, where can they get a hold of you? Give them, give the folks a phone number.
2: Absolutely. 954 954- 929-
0: Okay, and it's MBWealth.com. M-B, as in boy, Wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H dot com. Uh, and you can go to their website and check them out. Uh, Matt, good to speak to you. We'll talk to you uh, next Monday.
2: You got it, Rich. Enjoy your day.
0: Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. So uh, so I think that the I think it's a great idea that the Arabs do the musical OPEC the musical.
1: I'm looking forward to it. I got I my think, tickets.
0: I got to tell you. I I think I Adrian Orr Center should, would probably have it because it really shows what a bunch of nice guys they are. Here's the here's the point folks out there. The point is that I think they're panicking. I first of all, they can't cut. They can't cut 4 million ultimately 4 million barrels a day because are. this is 2.5 on top of a a, a two million barrel cut that they already did. So it's over four million. They can't afford to do that. So the point is nobody really believes that they're going to cut that much oil because they need the income. They're not going to walk away from that income. And they're all going to cheat. That's what they usually do. So if they did half of that, it makes no difference. But what they're not factoring in is that, you know, and we are, of course, is that demand is down so dramatically they're not going to keep up with it right now. It's just, you know, that, you know by cutting back and cutting, it's, it's not going to happen. But you know what, folks? Keep that in mind. Where is this going? What do these people think? They don't care that Western society is in the worst economic straits since the 20s and 30s. They don't care. They don't care. They're so, probably
1: happy about it, in fact.
0: Well, yeah, except that they're not going to be happy about it because what do they have other than oil and perhaps you know the Saudis having some investments and in the uh, the Emirates having some investments in Western corporations. Other than that, what do they produce in the Middle East? Let me think for a second. What are the, oh, that's right, nothing. Sand. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Camels. I have nothing. They don't produce anything in that part of the world. I mean, Israel does, and some of the other nations might, but not not the folks. At, you know, Saudi Arabia they don't they don't produce. They produce energy, and their energy is oil based. So. I'm telling you, if we had the guts, we could really hurt these people. That's that's my personal feeling. You know, I'm not I'm not schooled in this stuff, but uh, that's my personal feeling. All right, let me uh, let me move ahead for a second. Um, now, here's another piece that was in the paper today and on the internet, and let's talk about. Uh, I want to talk about uh, NATO and Palestine. This is NATO and Palestine. We're going to talk about. Uh, there, there was, a, there was an article out there today, and a number of people saying um, that uh, th- that uh, a number of people are thinking that maybe NATO should go into uh, into the Palestinian area and try and uh, keep the peace between uh, the Arabs and the Jews and the, the Israelis and the Palestinians. And and the, the interesting thing is, you know, a lot of Israelis don't think it's a great idea, but General James L. Jones, Obama's national security advisor, spent much of the past year on a Palestinian mission for the State Department, and he kind of favors the idea of a NATO presence there. A lot of people think that doesn't really work. Israel doesn't think it's a great idea. Uh, Some of the people in Europe don't think it's a great idea because they don't think they say NATO is a very bad idea, according to one Israeli officer. No other country in the world has successfully dealt with terror like Israel has. And there is a need for a continuous combat. NATO will not want to endanger its soldiers on behalf of Israeli citizens. So, you know, NATO is a North Atlantic Treaty Organization that came about Cold War post World War Two. Not exactly the same scenario psychologically in the Middle East between the Arabs and the Jews, but here's a scenario that might come out of the uh, the you know change, positive change, you know change for the better with Obama. Maybe this is an idea I was thinking. What if the NATO folks went over there, and 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 did it sort of? We're in a musical head today, and 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 got them together, sort of like a kumbaya moment, and the Jews would be able to sing, you know, sing this first song. Uh, that was... Yes. It is I, a catchy tune. I think, and they could have on either side of the, of the wall there... See, the Jews sing this song.
1: God gave this land to me.
0: My mother would have loved this. See, I think NATO could teach the Jews. This is
1: actually the pre-show for OPEC the musical, by the
0: way. This is is like the the prelude, you're right, to OPEC the musical. So the Israelis will sing this one. Now, of course, uh, NATO will then teach another song to the Palestinians. And here's the song that they could teach. (laughs) Nagila 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 they'd have to teach them these words which is pretty close to arabic it's good it's uh, very similar and they can put their hands and you know flick their fingers and they can all join hands and do horror and lo and behold they're all going to get together and be friends
1: now, which of the two songs would you say is catchier? Because my vote is for "Havana Nagila. Oh,
0: Hava Nagila. Yeah, they're going to have so much fun now, doing And this would it. definitely bring people together. And yes, the NATO troops are going to do this. And then the next thing you know, they can get people and, to do bar mitzvahs and, and things like that. I think that's a terrific idea. That's really clever stuff coming out of the, uh, the far left. That's a great idea. And we can, uh, we can really do that really well. Um, see if Chris Matthews gets a... Wonderful feeling for that one. So um, anyway, I thought that's a clever idea. So OPEC the musical, Money, Money, Money. And uh, NATO and Palestine. I, I just think that's a very very clever idea. So uh, let's having said that, let me give you some uh, some uh, financial information. Since we're on eight eighty, the biz, and we're supposed to talk financial. Oh, we are. Yeah, I think we should. Let's go to uh, quick to the Dow. The Dow was down almost hundred points today. Ninety nine to finish at eighty eight twenty four. The Nasdaq was down about ten and a half points, finishing at fifteen seventy nine. The S and P was down about oh almost uh, nine points today to finish at nine hundred and four point forty two. Uh, was up. The Nikkei was up. That's very, very good. Hang Seng was up about uh, 320 points today, uh, 330 points. It finished at 15.4. That's 15,400 and change. Not, not bad. We're, we're starting to go in the right direction there. The euro, whoa, look at this. And you can understand why since we're doing all the stuff with our, you know, we're printing so much money right now, which is, you know, we're using a lot of paper. This isn't very green uh, for the green. Uh, but the uh, euro was up to uh, one forty four. You know, remember it was down to like one twenty four, one twenty six, just a few weeks ago. Uh, oil finished. You know, you know there are two two debates on this. Either it finished at forty four point sixty one. I meant to ask Brad that, uh, but according to uh, uh, Market Watch, uh, it finished at uh, forty point oh six, and I, I think that's probably the right number, forty point oh six. Excuse me, and uh, which is the lowest since two thousand and four. Uh, that means gasoline's going to come down a bit. Although Valero, uh, the refinery for Valero's today, the refineries are going to be cutting back to about 75 percent of their production, as opposed to 100 percent of their production, to try and bolster the price of gasoline. Isn't it amazing that people don't really? This is what bu- drives me crazy about capitalism, and I'm a capitalist. You know, I've been, I, I believe in investing and, and free trade markets and stuff like that. But here's the deal: uh, we're 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 in a bad economy people are very, very tight for money, when oil was very expensive and gasoline was expensive, and of course a certain segment made a lot of money on that, because that's the way it goes, you know, in demand, a lot of money, and so forth, it was not good for the average individual. The average Joe Sixpack out there and Sally Sixpack, hockey puck mom, uh, was uh, getting hurt. And prices were going up dramatically, and you know the cost of living was going up, and then the market was taking a hit. It's such an oxymoronic environment to operate in. Um, but anyway, gasoline. I mean, I just paid. Uh, it's a dollar sixty-four at my corner right now for regular, which I can't use. But um, but the mid-range was about one seventy eight, and the upper range was one eighty one.
1: That's a lot cheaper than at my corner, though. Why is it that Broward County is so much cheaper right now than the average Dade County gas station? I can't wrap my mind around it. You know, I'm up in Broward a couple times a week. I notice the prices are so much cheaper there.
0: Uh, you know, I don't know why. I know when you go up to Boca Raton and—well, uh, it's Boca Raton. Exactly. But, uh, no, so you going go into Palm Bucks Beach gallon, County, probably. I think they have a tax up there. I think they really? have a separate tax. Huh. And it's more expensive. It is not an inexpensive item. Because in, it seems like in Dade,
1: it's like at least seven or eight cents more expensive than in Broward.
0: It depends. You know, it used to be cheap over here in Douglas Road at the BP. It used to be Amico years ago, but it isn't anymore. Right? No. I, I had to fill up there the other day, or at least put ten. I don't fill up anymore. Today I did because it was so inexpensive. Yeah. I said, "All right, let's just go for it." You know. But you know what a fill up was in my cart? Twenty. Just just about twenty five dollars. Wow. You know, and and I got to tell you, premium, right? Uh, yeah. That's pretty. Good. And and um. And it used to cost me in the, at the height of the summer. It was pretty expensive. It was like yeah. fifty bucks, fifty five dollars, fifty six dollars.
1: Yeah. Well, with the car I have now, the uh, Honda Civic, even at the most expensive, I think it was like forty five bucks, which was so much cheaper than the Audi I had before that, which was like seventy five dollars. But you know, I was filling up at forty five before the prices went down. Now I'm filling up at you know eighteen bucks.
0: That's that's just terrific. Yeah. You know? uh, but it's not going to listen. Don't get wooed into this. It's not going to stay this way. It's going to change. So uh, be aware of that, but but now is a good time to fill up. You might as well do that because I was advocating only putting about twenty bucks in, fifteen bucks in. But now twenty bucks gives you three quarters of a tank. Yeah, you know, or maybe almost a full tank if you take on Yeah, yeah. I mean uh, regular rather. So um, and gold, of course, was up about twenty five dollars an ounce today to finish at eight sixty eight and a half, uh, which is nice. It's moving up in the right direction, and we'll ask Matt about that next week. I don't know if Matt is big and has a position in gold. I know he has a big position in silver. So uh keep that in mind. The number is 866-954-4276. Like to know your opinion whether you think the Arabs should do the musical, OPEC the musical. And uh, and and I think they should go on the road with it.
1: They better do it. I already have my tickets.
0: I think they could do that. And and they can have camels outside uh, the theaters for the children to pet. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, which is yeah, I think that'd be just Free wonderful. camel rides maybe? Free camel rides for for all those in, involved. I think that would be wonderful. But in all sincerity, um, uh, you know, That's the way that one goes. Listen, uh, tomorrow on the show, uh, actually on Thursday on the show, we're going to have an interview from London. Uh, We're interviewing Philip Norman, uh, the author of the book, John Lennon the Life. It's a terrific book. I've read it. Uh, And I think you're going to enjoy having him on the show and listening to him. He's written a number of books. Uh, He's he's the author of Shout, The Beatles and Their Generation, Ray Vaughn, The Biography of Buddy Holly. He's also written about the Stones. Uh, He's a well known author. I think we're going to enjoy having him, and we're going to record him tomorrow at about 5 o'clock London time, 12 o'clock our time, and I want you all to pay attention and, and come and listen to that. It's going to be a great day about John Lennon. I've learned, I have just found out by reading this book, so many things about John Lennon, and first of all, I now know who Eleanor Rigby is. Um, y- yes, she was a real you person. you got to share that
1: with me, because I have no idea. I've heard she, the song uh, a million times. not going to
0: tell you today, oh, but you're killing it's me. in the book. I have it. It's in the first part of the book, but she really existed, and she's buried right near where John lived. Uh, obviously, Strawberry Fields was near where he lived. Penny Lane was just down the block, and so was the roundabout that he talked about. And Julia was, of course, his uh, his aunt who wanted to raise him, and, and he was taken away from her after a while. He had a very rough childhood. Um, so, very interesting story. We're going to have uh, John Lennon's uh, uh, The Life, uh, Philip Norman, the author of that uh, book, uh, is going to be here uh, on Thursday. Now, tomorrow, we're going to have the head of marketing for Ford for the new MKZ, as well as the uh, uh, the Ford Fusion, uh, which is something we talked about the R&D person. Uh, Nancy was on the show uh, last week, but this time we're going to get the head of marketing for that, and I think it's going to be a terrific conversation because, as we know, and we've been listening to the big three, that uh, of all the three, it seems like Ford has their act together the most, at least financially, because they have uh, put a uh, line of credit in place, had put one in place just prior to uh, – uh, when malaly came on on board in prior to uh, the debacle in the uh, in the stock market, so be aware of that. I think it's uh, kind of ex- exciting. It also came out today that the um, uh, according to Charles Grassley, he Charles uh, Charles Grass Senator Charles Grassley accuses the SEC having been asleep at the switch uh, as it relates to the Madoff case. Madoff being, of course, the person who uh, headed up the company, his company, and and swindled in a Ponzi scheme, $50 billion from such people as um, Mort Zuckerman, U.S. News World Report, Norman Brayman, uh the owner of the uh, New York Mets as well, uh, Steven Spielberg, uh, trust funds and charity funds, uh, many, many members of the Palm Beach Country Club uh, right here in, uh, in our wonderful South Florida market. I mean, this guy is a real piece of garbage. And uh, so uh, Charles Grassley is uh, absolutely ac- accusing uh, Bernard Mal- uh well, accusing the SEC of being asleep. You know, i got to tell you, where was the SEC in this whole scenario? I, I mean, I understand Barney Frank was around and Chris Dodd and some others from the Democrats. But, you know, doesn't the SEC have a responsibility? Aren't they the oversight group? Should be. I mean, aren't they the guys who arrested Michael Douglas and Wall Street, for God's sakes? I mean, come on. They did, if they can do it in the movie, why can't they do it in the real life? Didn't they see that movie? Movies are way more fun, They're though. They're supposed to Apparently, they never, they never
1: watched that movie, I guess.
0: They're supposed to protect us. They didn't do it. Anyway, we're going to be back on um, 880 The Biz. This is Rich Rop And the number is 866-954-4276. If you get a chance, you're in your car, let us know what you think about some of the thoughts that we're bringing up here. Again, do you think OPEC should be a musical?
1: Oh, 100%. 100%.
0: I absolutely think so. All right, we're going to be right back on 880. This is Rich Roffman on The Rich Roffman Show. Stay right there. Okay, welcome back. 33 minutes after the hour on The Rich Rothman Show on 880 The Biz. Glad to have you here. The number is 866-954-4276. And uh, if you've been paying attention, we were discussing OPEC for a while today, this this afternoon. First with Matt from MB Wealth. And, uh, and of course, then we went to our discussion. I really think OPEC should be a musical. I think that would be a really invigorating way to, to uh, tackle the problems that we have in the world and, and show that, you know, the folks in this cartel really have good interest they want to entertain us because i find them extremely entertaining right now when i when i listen to them they must have absolutely had a cow which they don't know if they could uh when when russia would not support them alex i I just think that they must have just had a cow anyway uh we have on the phone right now uh, a good friend ian hudson professor of finance at nova southeastern university ian how are you sir
3: i'm good how are you rich
0: well you know i sit back and i watch this stuff now i'm not trained in economics, that's that's not what my background is. I have seven years of studying English, um, at, at, you know, up to the postgraduate level, and uh, but you know, I, I remember when I studied cartels, and I can't I can't remember when it was, but you know, a long time ago. When you hit sixty, everything's a long time ago. <laughs> but I mean, isn't it greed that usually rips apart? A, I mean, doesn't greed rip apart a cartel? Isn't that one of the reasons they fall apart? The Achilles heel.
3: Well, sure. And I heard you mentioning earlier about Russia. You have to keep in mind that Russia's not a part of OPEC.
0: Yes, of course not. But that but but, but the first time they sent a very high-level delegation to to meet with them and I think OPEC was really hoping that Russia would get behind this and agree that they're going to be part of this, you know, 2 million and plus uh barrels a day cutback. And they didn't. Sure.
3: Sure, Russia's a big player in the world because they are the number 2 Abs- producer of crude in the world. Absolutely. But yeah, again, I have to stress that they're outside of OPEC. So they don't necessarily share the same goals as this cartel does. Although, eventually, when you talk about sharing the same goals, each the goals of each member of that cartel is to make as much money as they possibly can.
0: Well, yeah, of course, because that, that's the point. You know, the cartel. <laughs> I mean,
3: we we have basically the global economy collapsing around us, and it, it, it's not a matter of we're going to take coordinated cuts to do something to help global consumers or global business. It's a matter of there's not enough money coming in our pockets. I mean that's that's business. That's what it boils down to.
0: I know, I know, I know, even, I know. And
3: even even though you're not you're an English major, I think you pretty much hit it right on the head.
0: For sure, absolutely. So, um, so, what do you think? What do you, what do you think about this whole s- scenario uh, in terms of, uh, you know, where do you think we're going to go with this? You know, where do you think this whole cartel thing, where, like, why is it that, uh, you know, they, they, they go ahead and they had the incredible cutback, you know, and they thought that was going to, you know, shock and awe, you know, the, the democracy, the, the Western society, and the user. And, you know, and it didn't do it. I mean, they went down below, for a while, they were trading below $40 a barrel.
3: Yeah, well, the market just doesn't have – there. there's such an incredible lack of confidence in basically every market out there, from the housing market to the currency market to the stock market, and even in the commodities and oil markets. There's just simply no confidence whatsoever. And despite the fact that they're making these production cuts, you have to look at every major economy in the world that's coming out and identifying that – Either we are going to enter a recession, we're already in a recession, or you know, like the United States, we've been in a recession for the past year, and we just never told him. Right.
0: Some people are saying we're on we're coming we're on the on the other side of the of the recession right now. I don't know about oh, that, but oh, that
3: I, I completely disagree with that. I mean, one thing I do agree with with the uh, president elect is that it's going to get much worse. I mean, you can't OPEC cannot have an impact on these oil prices when you have industrial uh, production around the world just falling apart. I mean, even with the two main industrial – or the main, I'm sorry, industrial driver of production around the world has been the Chinese with the Indians coming second. And even in China, you're starting to see where they are getting close to entering recession, and even the Chinese government is looking at putting together a stimulus package. So
0: well, Exactly. Stimulus-
3: if you have all this industrial production going down, oil is used in so many things in our daily lives, you know, from plastics to, you know, the gasoline that goes in the cars. And so if there's not a demand for those things or a sharply declining demand for those things, then no matter how much you've cut the production, if the demand continues to fall right along with it, you know, you're... There's there's just nothing you can do about it. You know, back in the late '90s, oil was around ten dollars a barrel. They should be appreciative that it's not
0: that bad. Well, sure. And you know, actually, that's and you go back to the seven. When did it really go bust first? Because New Orleans was going after oil for a while. The the folks in Louisiana, and then they went bust for a while because oil was so cheap. It just didn't work for them. Yeah. You know, and then they they kind of lost their focus and they tried gambling and that didn't work for a while. And then they lost their, uh, their trade uh, routes that they were getting. And that's when Miami actually stole them and, and brought them up here. But let's get back to an- another topic for a second. We were talking about, you know, we don't trust. And, and it seems like, you know, every third month now we're finding another scheme. And we're talking, of course, about the Ponzi $50 billion scheme. Let me ask you a question. Uh, sure. How can a $50 billion scheme exist and no one seems to know about it? I mean, you've got to have a lot of people do this. That's $50 billion, my man.
3: Yeah, and, oh gosh, um, I don't remember his name, but the chair of the SEC was on CNBC today. and
0: Chris
3: Cox. He was on CNBC today talking about this. And, you know, the one thing that I was really waiting for him to, to say, and it's just something that nobody really does nowadays, is I wanted him to say, you know, investors and American people, I'm sorry. This happened on my watch. I really don't understand how it happened, but I'm going to find out what happened, but I'm sorry. Versus there's so many things he was saying about, well, obviously there are failures in the system, but I want to tell you that our people are doing a great job, and I want to thank you. You know, it's another nice job brownie thing.
0: Yeah, but and, see, no one takes responsibility. There are no ethics out there, Ian, I and mean, that yeah, drives me crazy.
3: Well, another thing, uh, Rich, that you have to attribute to this, and I'm going to just sound like a, a mean guy, and this is, this is something I have to deal with in my classes, where I just pretty much tell it like it is, and I say, okay, I know everybody's going to go out of here hating me. A, a big part of the problem with this is greed. The two things that drive investment markets are fear and greed, and what drove all of this in the scheme this guy was running is greed. I mean, I I wasn't, I mean, if you talked about before about pretty much the way a Ponzi scheme works, I mean, it's a pyramid scheme. So, you know, you put some money, I come to you and say, hey, Rich, I've got this great investment, you know, I can can promise you 30%. Right there, that should tell you something's wrong. Anytime anybody in the investment industry tells you they can guarantee something or promise something, you should run away.
0: But you know what, Dr. Hudson, look at the people he took down with him. Anywhere oh, from a yeah, Mort it. Zuckerman to a, you oh. know Norman Brayman, uh Steve Spielberg, the owner of the Mets—I mean, yeah. some serious, serious even, bucks.
3: Even, sadly enough, um, the charity foundation of the Holocaust survivor Ellie. Was Ellie, that,
0: absolutely.
3: Uh, I mean, it, it's it's amazing.
0: Just you absolutely know. awful. Yes, go ahead.
3: But again, with the way a Ponzi scheme works, is that you know. For the people who get in initially, I tell you, okay, Rich, I can get you 30%, 40 50% return, and then I say, well, okay, fine, here's my $10 million, and then maybe, you know, and I see you're sending me statements saying how, on paper, all the money's rolling in, and then I say, you know what, I'm nervous about this, I think I better just take my money and run, and so, you know, you call me up and say, uh, hey, Ian, um, I want to cash out, and I said, okay, sure, because I'm basically using the investments of all the other people who have entered this thing to pay you off. I really haven't earned any money. I'm just simply just raking in all this money, but, they, but sending out these phony statements showing that you've made money when in actuality you've made nothing.
0: Well, but who did the audit? I mean, I know he had a, a smaller audit firm and uh, someone that he knew. But I mean, uh, I mean, you would think that these smart people would demand some serious auditing when you're talking the numbers that they're talking. And this is sort of like an Enron, you know, Arthur Anderson scheme, and it pulled down Arthur Anderson. So it, I just I'm astounded that many people didn't know what was going on at the time. And you're right, the SEC should not be apologizing. They should be well. They should say I'm sorry, and we caused it. Because it's our responsibility to oversee this. That's why, we, that's why we're paid. That's why we do this.
3: You know, there's even people calling for a disbandment of the SEC, and that might actually pick up some steam in the next administration because if the SEC can't handle what its mandate is, which is to provide oversight into the securities industry, I mean, you're talking about all of these mortgage-backed securities have collapsed and pretty much taken the rest of the economy down with it now you're talking about what this guy's done i mean these people at the sec are pretty much asleep at the wheel so
0: totally totally is it
3: going to be enough to say okay i'm president obama and i'm just going to fire every single person even down to the janitor in the sec when is it a matter of the way the sec is run is that the problem you know with Advances in technology, use of the internet, things have changed. And so does the SEC need an upgrade in the way it's monitoring our financial markets? And I think that's a very important question to ask. And I think if the SEC is going to remain, it needs an extreme overhaul in the way it does its, its monitoring and regulation of the financial markets.
0: Well, a good place to start is, I, I guess, the professors such as yourself and major universities. You know, someone's got it. You know, it's funny. Years ago, when Miami was having an ethical problem, that was in the 90s, and we were indicting a lot of people in the, in the community uh, across the board. And we had people who were contracting at the airport, and we had people at the port of Miami. My, it was a very difficult place to attract CEOs and corporations uh, into South Florida. And so we were, we were indictable. As a result of all of that, they, a very, very bad business environment, we, did, we created an ethics committee in the city of Miami. It was headed up by uh, uh, Beatty, Bob Beatty, yeah. a, and if you remember. And I'm going back a few years now. Sure. A very ethical man. He was uh, of counsel to uh, Bell South. Eventually he went over to Knight Ritter uh, Foundation. And then, of course, uh, McClatchy came in and, and he left. In fact, I haven't spoken to Bob in years. Wonderful sure. man. You know, we need an ethics committee, I think. Uh, to start overseeing, you know, a blue-ribbon panel. And I don't even know who we could trust to pick it.
3: Well, you know, this is something that um, is supposed to be the top quality of our president-elect. And without me getting too political here, I mean, you know, barring experience, which no one seems to pay, pay attention to now. Oh, of course his, not. His, his main qualification was for the job was supposed to be that he could bring all these people together, And the best and the brightest. Now, hopefully, now that he's been elected, he's taking over in less than a month. Hopefully, that'll be true. I think that he can insert himself in this situation, go out and find someone of unimpeachable character that the market can look at and say, yeah, that guy or that woman is someone that I trust to bring some transparency to the process and restore some confidence in the marketplace. You simply can't do this by the same politics as usual, which is something that Barack Obama promised You know, those two years on the campaign trail, that when I get to Washington, I'm going to change everything.
0: Well, so we'll see. You know, you
3: cannot just go and say, hey, Chicago bosses who helped me got, get in the office, you know, thank God he's not thinking about giving Blagojevich a job at the SEC.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. In fact, we're going to talk about him in just a few minutes. Uh, we have a very special song by the Beatles for uh, Blagojevich.
3: Blug- uh, yeah. Again, you know, if that is the primary thing that our president-elect was, you know, the main qualification that he brought to the table is his ability to attract people and attract the best and the brightest, I think he needs to go out there and use some of that pool and go out there into the marketplace and find someone to bring in and say, okay, this is someone that we all have confidence in. Somebody like, I'm I'm not... you know, advocating this person—somebody like a Jack Welch, for instance. Oh yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd find you'd, you'd you'd do be very difficult to find anyone that could say something to impeach Jack Welch's character.
0: What about so, McNerney from uh, Boeing? Sure, he would be a good one, wouldn't he? Sure, he's kind okay. of in the in the way of uh, Jack Welch, just a little bit younger, but
3: sure, exactly. But I mean, these are the type of people that. You know, all of us could say, okay, I have confidence in that person. They have a track record. They've built up companies based on ethics and based on smart decisions as well.
0: Jack Welsh has such a terrific reputation and he ran such a great company that I think has gone to hell ever since he left GE. Oh, yeah. I mean, my yeah. God, they raped that company.
3: Well, you know, the thing about GE is, I mean, what exactly is GE? Is GE a a financial services company? Because you have GE Financial Services, you know. Huge. I I just got rid of my um, Home Depot card, you know, because like everybody else, I'm trying to cut back. But my Home Depot card is not financed by Home Depot. It's financed by GE Financial Services. Uh So GE is a financial services company. Or is GE an aircraft engine maker? Because they're the, they're one of the largest uh, jet engine makers in the world. That's right. You know they're so you have all these different things at, at G, a TV network because they've got NBC Universal Studios, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So
0: they're also you know, a leasing company.
3: Oh, exactly, equipment leasing. Exactly. So Jack Welch had this ability to somehow take all of these disparate areas and just hold them together, and his. Then his uh, tactic also was to, okay, we have, first of all, he said we want to be either number one or number two in the industries in which we participate. If we can't be number one or number two, we should get out. So that was the first thing he did. The second thing he did was to use revenues in areas that were performing better to help, you know, make the financial statements of the company look good, you know, look better overall. So, but GE is such a just broad, sprawling, you know, almost mess until, is it, are we at the point where GE needs to make some divestitures? However, in this climate, how, who are they going to sell to?
0: Well, you, you know what, and that's why maybe, you know, you're teaching college. I haven't taught college since the 70s. But um, maybe people have to really refine and define who they are. Maybe that's what companies need to do right now. Where do we fit into this, you know, the, the, the 21st century economy? And uh, can we be, as in GE's case, or better yet, look at G- uh, General Motors. You know, some of the complaints that we're seeing is that General Motors has gone off in so many different directions with so many brands. And so many options and brands that they they can't seem to make it.
3: Well, it's not just oh, it's worse than that, Rich. Actually, you know, just with my questions about G, GE, what is GM? Is GM a bank? They have GMAC.
0: Well, yeah, have, I know.
3: They have diatent home loans. They have GMAC mortgage and GMAC real estate. They um, and then of course with the brands, the, the big, and the very interesting thing about GE, you know, they've got so much bad press, and everybody just pretty much just wants to. Just dump them and let them be over with. You have to look at some of the things that GE is doing right. GE is, Buick, strangely enough, is the number one brand in China. You mean
0: GM? You said GE. You mean GM?
3: I'm sorry, excuse yeah. me. Thank you, GM.
0: Yeah, a but Jack Welch moment.
3: Buick, Buick, manufactured by General Motors, is the number one car seller in China. Absolutely. So they love those things. And I, I saw an interview that CNBC did with just the average Chinese person on the street that went up to car dealers. And, you know, to the, and said, why are you buying this product? And they said, oh, because it's American made. American means quality. Now, for those people, they trust our products and love our products. And China will overtake the United States in about two to three, maybe four years as the world's number one car market. So you can't say that everything at GE, I'm sorry, I'm stuck on GE. Everything at GM is wrong. However, There are some major issues with General Motors, and unfortunately, it starts with any company's number one expenditure, and that is with the employees. Right. Employees at General Motors make too much money as compared to their counterparts at the foreign car makers in other parts of the country. I mean, this thing has turned into a north versus south. I think we're going to go to the Civil War again. (laughs) <laughs> you know, because all the northern people say, oh, save the big three. And all the southern people from Alabama, South Carolina, you know, Mississippi, they're saying, hey, look at our car manufacturers. You know, our car workers are only making 15 and $20 an hour.
0: Right, but but practicing. wait a minute, wait a minute. But isn't it interesting, uh, Ian, that, you know, those are called right-to-work states, and therefore oh, yeah. they're not being choked by the UAW the way they are in uh, in Michigan?
3: Well, now, you know, you you have to give a disclaimer about right-to-work and that they can fire you for any reason whatsoever.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Right-to-work means that they could say, you know, good job, Rich, and pat you on the back Friday, and you show up Monday, and they say, oh, I know
0: know that. I know that. I know that I've had seven companies down here, and I've been schooled very well by KPMG to understand that.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, that's, That's something to just throw out there, but you simply cannot, no matter how, we're, the country's just in a mess. We we just want to say that, you know, well, let's just let all these companies fail. You have to understand the ripple effect of allowing one of these auto manufacturers, particularly General Motors, to fail. I mean, the ripple effect of that is catastrophic.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely, and, and it goes in many areas. I want to, I want to throw something out, and we're almost running out of time. I've got to get you back, sure. Ian. I enjoyed this sure. conversation. Do you remember John DeLorean's book from about oh, maybe back in the late 70s, early 80s, On a Clear Day You Can See General Motors? Oh, sure. It was a great book. I really enjoyed reading it. Uh, and he kind of had a vision of where he thought GM could go, because when he came in, he was, he was the, the young prodigy. I mean, they just loved him. Oh, they, yeah. they were grooming him to be the next chairman of General Motors. And, of course, he embarrassed them. Uh, and, and moved on and did his own thing. But he, he understood, i.e., the Pontiac division. There were so many different types of vehicles that were trying to be created on a static assembly line. I, not, I, and that's like oxymoronic. They're not a static. But they are in one place and uh, that he, he trimmed all of that. One of the things John did was clearly define which cars they're going to produce, how they're going to produce them, what options they could make within the understanding and the parameters of the mechanical ability of the people producing the cars so they can make money, and he, well, and he did a great job doing that. People should reread that book.
3: And all of that makes sense, but you have to go back and look at what um, Sloan and the rest of them who started General Motors You have to go back to the 1900s or so and look at General Motors and Ford. Henry Ford said, I'll give you a car in any color as long as it's
0: It's black. black.
3: (laughs) And so that's all he did was just shoot out Model Ts in black. And that's why Chevrolet came over and uh, wiped the floor with them because you could get them in different colors, different styles, et cetera, et cetera. And that's something that back in the 20s, General Motors found out that, huh, people want colors. They want styles every year if we just change the car a little bit people love that and so but they got so accustomed to being the 900 pound gorilla out there so to speak what's
0: good for general motors is good for the united it's states good for
3: the country right and and they were making so much money that the workers rightfully so to a degree felt like they should be able to share with that however here's the problem
0: real quick we got about 15 seconds
3: Sure. Here's the problem. Up, currently, you have, you know, you, me, and anybody else paying a minimum of 30% of our health care costs. At GM, workers only pay 5%. And that's up from 0% two years ago.
0: And that goes back to people who retired 25 years ago. Exactly. Really bad. Ian, this is terrific. I'm, we're going to get you back on the show. Sure, no problem. Uh, Dr. Ian Hudson, uh, professor of finance at Nova Southeastern University. Say hello to all our friends, especially Dean Pullman. Great school, great people. You're a great guy. Thank you for being on the show. All
3: right. Thanks a lot, Rich. See all right,
0: there. Ian. Have a great day. Okay. Uh, so, anyway, that's it. I mean, good good luck, good lecture. We got we got some college credit today, it's Alex. It's very interesting stuff. Oh, he's terrific. Back to school? I got to tell you, the, the guys at Nova, the, the women at Nova, the... Just terrific. Have a great evening. We'll see you tomorrow on 880 The Biz. This is Rich Rothman and Alex. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night.